0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Thanks, Georgian. You can have a seat, church. The technical term is called lacrimatories. If you are not familiar with the technical term, the untechnical term is tear bottles. If you've never heard of these before, in ancient times, people would take tear bottles to literally measure physically what they had been through emotionally. They would be bottles that would collect the grief, the tears of someone's life. Legends have it that, especially in Persia, Persian rulers sultans they would give a bottle to each family member before they went off to war and when they came back they would ask for each family member to share with them their tear bottle to know how much they grieved them being gone people in the early ancient time found tears important because tears Revealed something about you. and the Bible tends to think the exact same way. The Psalms, which I like to call the Spotify of the Bible, all these songs that are collected of God's people reviewing life, a third of them contain grief and lament. Many of the most prominent stories in the Bible are people who share grief and tears with God. And the Bible not only just tells you a story about a God who grieves, but also people who grieve with this God. The question I want to get you to this morning is do you share the tear bottle of your life with God? Do you share The grief, the sorrow that you have experienced in your life with God. One of the ways that God teaches us about life with him is the Bible will show us these stories of people sharing life with God. And one of the sections that we have that shares these stories is what we call first and second Samuel. And first and second Samuel, you hear stories of David awesome stories, amazing stories, happy stories. And then you run into a story like this one. That's all about grief. If you were to read how the first part of this story translates, David said to him, how did things go? If we read this literally in the original language, this would read. What is the situation? And the situation of Saul and Jonathan dying is a complicated one for David. It is complicated because it's a complicated situation. It's not just complicated in them passing away, but it's complicated in how David even hears the news of them and the loss that they had previously in the story before we even get to this moment where David hears the news that they have been passed, you actually hear that Saul ends his life before anyone else can end his life. And then there's this Amalekite that shows up who has never been about the people that David is with. And he comes and he tells a different version of the story. The story doesn't match Up, he says that he helped Saul end his life. When we just heard a story that Saul ended his own life, he says things like, "I just happened to be on the mountain of Gilboa. I just happened to take the crown and the amulet of the king." And David discerns in this moment when he hears this news, this is not someone who is personally lingering in loss but is someone politically lobbying in the midst of loss. And for those of us who have ears to hear, there is a word that waits for us in this text. This complexity of David hearing the news is not very far off from the complexity that you and I hear the news today. In the midst of the loss of life, in the midst of shootings, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of war breaking out, there is always a temptation to make a political siding in the midst of the loss of life. To be human is to be distracted by defending or picking sides. And David discerns and does not give way to picking or proving. side David just simply shares his grief David out loud shares the ache and the complication that he feels and out of all people David should be the one who has the most complicated grief when it comes about it I used to sit with someone as I would walk through the Bible with them and they used to always be like okay all right you just said all these words like Just give it to me straight. Break it down for me. Okay, I'm going to break it down for you. This is how complicated this moment would be for David. When hearing this news, there would be bad news and good news that goes with it. For David to lose Saul and Jonathan, Saul was like a father figure. I've pointed this out several times before. Saul is the first person who actually says he loves David. His best friend, Jonathan, he would lose him. He would be losing a mentor through Saul and he'd be losing a confidant through his friend, Jonathan. These were the people who helped build and give him a home. And now both of them have passed. But also in David's story, it's extremely complicated because David gets so good at what he does in life that he actually begins to be hated by the person who was the father figure in his life. He is actually chased by not only Saul, but also Jonathan and hunted down for it. David several times is defrauded by this family and household. Many of David's younger years were ruined because of Saul's Jealousy for David. If there were ever a mixed bag of emotions at someone passing, this would be what it would look like. And what you find David doing in the midst of all of this grief and sorrow is David talks about Jonathan and Saul in a way that you and I would not naturally. Talk about a person who did these things to us in our lives. David actually sees and talks about them in a way that is not natural in the midst of his grief. And I want to just point to you a couple places as David grieves where things sound and are seen different than you would expect. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd encourage you to turn to this passage. It's in 2 Samuel and it's in chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, I just want to encourage you, we're gonna have the words up on the screen for you today, and we'll help you navigate it as you go through. The first place that David reflects on the passing of Saul and Jonathan is in verse 19. David actually says this. A gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel. How the mighty have fallen. David thinks so highly of Saul and Jonathan, he calls them a gazelle. Does that do it for you? Right, like, I don't know when the last time you've been called a gazelle is, okay? All right, but in this day and age, this would be, I mean, this would be the highest compliment some think so highly Of Saul and Jonathan, he calls them modern sensibilities, probably just kicked in, and you're like, What in the world? Like, comparing a person to an animal doesn't make sense. I want to hold you for a second, okay? All right. I want to point you to some of the trending work in 2021. There was an artist by the name of Gerard Gethrings who actually made a massive profit in trending on doing this one piece of artwork. And people loved this piece of artwork. And you know what that artwork was? He made a killing off of finding the pet owners that looked the most like their pets. Okay, Just to give you a couple of evidence of pictures that would be matched with this. These were all of the winners that people just loved. Like social media just craved over these things. That you could find people that matched with their pets. The Bible is never as distant as you may think it is. People love and crave over being compared to their pets. In the Hebrew world, you would compare the most characteristic of an animal to that person to speak highly of them. Many of your translations, if you actually read this text, I know this picture is very distracting, but I'll have another slide for you, okay? So you just got to embrace it. Most of your translations probably don't even say, oh, they probably don't even say gazelle. What what? someone's translation say off of this? Glory, absolutely. Because the word gazelle is so close to the word beauty, glorious, overwhelming. When David speaks of Saul, the man who hunts him down, he speaks words of how glorious and how beautiful and how graceful he is. David sees Saul in a way that most of us wouldn't naturally see. Let me point you to one more as we go. The second one is as David is grieving over them, he says in verse 23. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They weren't divided. Okay, let me put it to you this way Have you ever been to a funeral or a wedding and you hear someone speak about the person in such a way that you're like, oh, that's a little bit of a stretch? Come on now, like, have you ever had moments where you have heard someone in conversation talk about someone in a way that you're like, that sounds really nice and they're not that nice. This is kind of one of those moments. A brief walk through history lane would tell you that there were times where Saul and Jonathan were definitely divided. There were times where Saul did not want to help David and Jonathan, his son, actually helps him. It was a little more complicated than how David paints to be it. But when he grieves and talks about Saul and Jonathan, he is able to see and speak about them in a way that is highly and is not natural for us. The question for us should be, how in the world can David talk about Saul and Jonathan this way? And what lays before us in this passage is that David simply takes time to grieve. There are other people who are already trying to calculate politically how they should take sides. There are other people who are trying to answer the question, what does this mean now that the king Saul is dead? And David pushes aside all of it, and he simply invites God into his grief. He can shift from his perspective to God's perspective, simply By grieving brothers and sisters, inviting grief into your life and with God will change how you naturally see and talk about people. In the words of Eugene Peterson, a teacher over this text, he said, David takes time to focus on what God did through Saul. Not what Saul did to David. It is God's grace in Saul's life, not Saul's hate for David, that David focuses on sharing our grief with God. The things that you have lost, the things that hurt you, the things that make you sad, the things that don't seem right in the world, the things that you want to lament, the things that are out of control, the things that make you ache. this is how God develops us in the people. Who can see and talk differently in the world simply by sharing our greed? You know, I've mentioned this once or twice before in my own formation. You know, me and my family, we used to have this joke together, uh, especially when it came to things of faith, like we, we just weren't sharers. Okay, like that wasn't our thing. Like we would show up, we'd show up to events where, like, if you needed us to serve, you need us to cut the lawn. Yeah, yeah, we can go and we can do that. You want to have a Bible study and talk about the background First Corinthians? Absolutely, we will go. We will talk about the background First Corinthians. You want us to show up to an event where we have to share, like, share our personal feelings? No, we're <laughs> we're not going to be at that event. <laughs> and one of the things I've had to grow in in my faith is understanding that the God who changes us and the God who is changing us. Ask us to share. Part of our life with God is serving, part of our life with God is studying, part of our life with God is praying, and part of our life with God is sharing what's going on inside of us. And it's when we share what's going on inside of us, what makes us sad, what brings sorrow, what's hurt, what brings lament, God does something. With you. So I'd like to finish this sermon today by simply just sharing three observations of how do you share grief with God? OK, if you're a note taker. This is your part of the sermon. OK, you were just waiting for this part. OK, I'm going to share you three ways of how we share our grief with With God, the first is what David sets up everyone to do when it comes to sharing life with God and sharing our grief. We teach ourselves to grieve. No matter how normal or no matter how unnormal it feels to us in our life, this is what David does right after the soldiers and him hear this news, David ordered that the song of the bow be taught to the people of judah the song of the bow would have been a song of lament a song of grieving grieving is not normal in our society we are a culture that is about let's move on and part of david's journey of moving forward is not moving on from this moment of death. Here's the best way I could think to put it. I saw the movie a couple weeks ago, A League of Their Own. Do you remember that one with Tom Hanks? All about the professional women's baseball team. There's this famous line in there that he goes, Are you crying? There's no crying in baseball. There are versions of Christianity that we treat like there is no grieving in faith with God. If you're grieving, you're not trusting God. There's versions of that Christianity. And that is not the life that we see with David, nor the son of David with Jesus. David takes time to stop and grieve. Jesus, at one point in his life, is so heavy with grief in the garden that he actually invites other people around him to share in that grief, and he sits in it. When's the last time you have just sat in a loss that you have felt in life one of the ways that we move forward is we do not just move on when we experience loss in our lives the second is this david grieves publicly in front of others you see david grieves privately and he also grieves publicly it actually says in the text verse 11 then david took off his clothes, he tore them, and all the men who were with him did the same. They mourned and they wept together. We grieve together because it forms us together. There's this researcher by the name of Mandy Oaklander, who she is not... What a title that she has. She is the premier researcher in tears. Okay, that's just a great title, but in her interview with Time Magazine that she did a while back, she described tears are language of the soul. Grief activates intimacy. Grieving connects us to people even when we don't have connection with the experience that they have. And this is one of the things where I just want to highlight for us as a church. This is why we take moments in service. And we grieve about events that don't even connect directly with our lives. Why? Because it connects us with those that are hurting. And if it hurts our brothers and sisters in the world, it hurts us. And when we grieve together, it connects us together. When's the last time you have publicly told people that you're in a season of grieving? And the third is this, is that grief not only connects us, but it also grows us. One of the ways to grow with God is to share your grief with God. This is the first story in 2 Samuel. Everything in 1 Samuel of this collection of stories has led up to this moment. David's about to become king and David doesn't become king gaining something. David, and his story actually begins by David losing something and someone. Rabbis who were original teachers of these stories used to th- say things like, if death is the greatest loss in life, it also harbors the greatest lessons in life. Oftentimes we think God is missing in those times when grief happens, when honestly it's a prime time for God to meet us. So as I sat this week, I thought about my own personal grieving. I uh, shared a couple of times that I've lost a family member um, and a couple uh, weeks ago. We uh, we buried them. And I remember at one point I was there to help officiate the ceremony and it was raining heavy that day and uh, we decided uh, we weren't going to do a graveside service. And there was something within me in that moment that felt like I still needed to go out to the grave. Uh, so I did. And I went out with the pallbearers, and I remember as I was driving out there, I was thinking to myself, I have not prepared any words to say out by this grave. I'm actually at a point where I'm kind of drained, and I don't have much more to say. And the only words that I could think of in that moment was a prayer that I had prayed previously in death before. It's actually a prayer called the Kiddush, and it's actually a Jewish prayer. It's from the faith where Christianity, the soil of Christianity, has grown in it. And this prayer is something that would be practiced for 11 months after the passing of someone, where you would pray it twice a day. To just give you a feeling of the prayer, here's a a glimpse of it. May the great name of God be exalted and sanctified throughout the world, which God has created according to His will. Blessed, praised, glorified, exalted, extolled, honored, elevated, and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed is He above and beyond all blessings and hymns. He who makes peace in the highest of places, may He bring peace to you as well. So I go out to the graveside and I put my hand on the casket and in the midst of not just having any other words to say I prayed those words and we call it done and I remember as I was walking back to the car one of my family members you always got that family member right like that family member they like, oh. every time they open their mouth they're like I oh don't know what's coming The family member who is never very serious at all. Doesn't really talk about God that much. When we're walking back to the car, he goes to me. I'm not sure what all we even just prayed just now. But it's been a long time since I've felt that thin of a space between me and God. Grieving with God grows us in God. C.S. Lewis said that in our pleasures, God whispers, but in our pain, God shouts. That's what my family member experienced that day. That is the shouting of God. God does not take pleasure in our grief. God does not wish upon the hard things in our life. That is the grief. But God does meet us in grief in a way that quite honestly, we do not come to God until grief brings us there. And I want to just offer simply, if you do not know God and you do not have relationship with God, this is what's available to you. There is a hope and peace that is available to you that all of us in the room kind of struggle to articulate what it is. The reason Christians get in this room over week after week after week saying the same words and singing the same songs every week is because it's connected to words of people long before us. And what's behind those words is a reality of a God who has been at work before you or I ever got on the planet. And God, this God longs to meet you in whatever your ache and whatever your grief is in life. And if you want to know how to meet God with that, I encourage you that you can meet me after service over in this corner. You can talk to a leader. You can email us. Just do something to meet God if you are hurting because God longs to grieve with you. Part of being human. Is navigating the aching and the groaning of grieving. Which brings me back to my final question of do you share your grief with God? Do you share what hurts you? What you lament over? Maybe to put it just really simply. When's the last time when someone asked you, how are you doing? You just admitted that you are in a season of grieving. You didn't just say, hey, I'm doing fine. Things are complicated right now. What well, if you just said, I am grieving. When's the last time that you've just shared with someone what is going on with your life? I think some of us, some of us are walking through life like we're tired. We're angry. We're confused. All those things may be true. But deeply, what's going on is you're grieving. Like the past couple years have been some brutal years. When's the last time we've just shared what's going on with us? Or maybe the last question is just, when's the last time you've walked alongside someone who is grieving in a way that you cannot relate to? There's plenty of things happening in the world right now that could use a lot more people who are willing to grieve than argue, debate, and pick sides. When's the last time we've done these things? To finish, I'm just going to pray today for us to meet God in anything that may be our grief. So pray with me. Um, God, for some of us today, that to talk about grief, to talk about what makes us sad or sorrow, uh, God, we have a hard time just kind of digging into that lane. May your Holy Spirit. Nudge us and prompt us. To the ways that we feel lost right now. God, can you reveal to us the ways that we ache and we grieve? God, can you help empower? May your spirit pour into us this morning. To provide the same comfort you've given us. To comfort other people. And God, can, can you poke some of us? Some of us need to repent this morning. God, we've been so distracted by anger or our own world or just all the things that are going on and we have done everything but taken time to grieve and tell you that we're grieving and tell others that we're grieving. Spirit of the living God, may you help us be able to meet you in our grief and our loss so we can meet others in their grief and loss. I pray this in the name of Jesus that empowers us. Amen.